How's it going? It's going. How are you? Oh, you know. <laughs> it's been a... Surviving. It's been a rough week. Don't squish the dog. He's okay. He's fine. Don't squish He's him. He's good. <laughs> it's been a rough week. Um, I already talked about it with you, you off mic. Um, yeah, I will say, so I wrote the majority of this episode last weekend, which was a good thing because by the time yesterday hit, I was just like... <laughs> You're like, you? <laughs> I only have like one or two pages to do and I hate my life. Um, <laughs> but I like the end of it. That's so. not every project. <laughs> it's just, <sighs> that's why I plan it that way so I can like write it on my off weekends. But beyond that, I'm, <clears throat> I woke up today feeling better. That's so good. It's just an overwhelming week. But Yeah. Yeah. How are you? Happened? I'm good. <laughs> I'm great. <laughs> Just, Do we need yeah. to have a therapy treehouse session? <laughs> no, I mean, I just, it's life, man. Life is, life is a struggle. Not like a big struggle, but. Yeah, it's just adulting is hard sometimes. It really is. <laughs> um, So I know we've mentioned Thor in the podcast before, but he's a, a facility dog. And I definitely used him for his purpose today when i got here i gave him a big hug and then i was like i hope i'm not strangling you i just want everyone to know the the irony that our facility dog is a an autistic dog i know poor guy <laughs> i mean i'm like not joking guys he's autistic yeah no like <laughs> maybe that makes him well i joke all the time at work I'm, I'm like everyone's like they're like they're making fun of him because you know he's not like Fallon, who just goes up to everyone, is like, "Hi, Randy, a food, great." No, goodbye. <laughs> but I always joke. I'm like, "Well, no one said how we had to relieve your stress, just that we had to relieve your stress. You guys are so focused on relieving his stress, you no longer have stress. You're fucking welcome." <laughs> He's done his job. <laughs> I think it's funny too because, like, if I wasn't his handler, because obviously I make jokes about it, and I'm like trying to make it entertaining for people too. Like, if yeah. I wasn't his handler, he wouldn't be a facility dog. Yeah, no, no, I know. <laughs> and my That's your own determination. Yeah, my yeah. parents make make fun of it all the time, where they're like, "You can't leave work now because you you can't take Thor with you." And I was like, "Trust me, they'll retire Thor if I leave." Yeah, <laughs> retired it <Aww. at> too, <laughs> baby. Oh, he's getting better though. He is. He, he really has, is. He has his moments, but he's definitely getting. Hey, better. I was able to take him outside, and he went potty. <laughs> Pause, but all right. I was trying to think of like an appropriate way to say that. Potty is appropriate. I mean, he is appropriate too. I was gonna say piss, but well, that's not appropriate. <laughs> Sorry. Well, there's. Our I love how worried, you're worried already. about. He went piss, but I'm like sitting here dropping f bombs every five minutes. <laughs> well, but like before, he wouldn't do that. He he would yes. get so freaked out if you weren't around. Yeah. So he is improving. Yeah. He was very much like, okay, I went. Okay, I ran once. Okay, where's mom? Okay, and let's I was go. Like, Mom's okay. inside. She might be in danger. <laughs> well, anyway, you are listening to Difficult Damsels. You didn't do it! A Difficult Damsels. <laughs> What's this podcast about? Badass women from history. Hell yeah. And Finnin. And Finnin. And Finnin. And all the cats. <laughs> Hi! Um, sometimes not so great women from history. No, yeah. This is going to be one of the, well, 
it's going to be one of those that song you sent to me earlier today villains aren't born they're made oh yeah, yeah. i think that's going to be very appropriate hell yeah yeah okay, okay. <laughs> um i'm rachel by the way oh i'm cat and this is episode 39 Woo. mary tudor hell yeah is it just the one queen of england yes Okay. It'll be just one episode. I feel like that should be foreboding in and of itself, guys. <laughs> yeah. Mean, we all know it's... how this ends, but <laughs> apparently it doesn't take long. <laughs> it's, I always knew this, it's one of those, I always knew the story and then I get deeper into it and I'm like, oh, that's kind of why you were the way you were. Okay. All right. Um, doesn't make it any better. Like deal with your trauma. Yeah. <laughs> so feel your goddamn feelings. So you don't throw it up on other people. <laughs> that's a good, that's a that's a t-shirt yeah <laughs> deal with your trauma so you don't throw it up on other people <laughs> um un oh undealt God. with trauma becomes new trauma for other people yeah so it's a vicious circle yeah it, it is until someone says fuck this but i've been trying to do that it's exhausting sometimes yeah. but yeah <laughs> sometimes sometimes it works out indeed um it's just right. like everything else you have to put yeah. in the work it's not gonna be easy no one said life was easy <laughs> Nobody said yes. it was easy. Sorry. I don't even know what song you're singing. Um, no one ever said it would be this hard. It's Coldplay. Oh, that's Run. <laughs> Wait, no. Uh, oh. Oh, God, are you okay? <laughs> oh, no, I can't think of the song now. The I'm only, the only the Coldplay start. song that I know is Crocs because I love it. Does it fix you? Am I singing fix you? I don't even know. Whatever. Anyway. Anyway. Would you like some historical context for this period? I would love some okay. historical context for this period, Rachel. Vinny <laughs> <laughs> would too. Finn is, does not care. He's like just he's done too up. much catnip. <laughs> he does. First of all, where'd you get Hi. the catnip? <laughs> Hi, buddy. He's like, oh my god, yes. <laughs> okay, so 1516, the Ottomans defeat the Mamluks. Sorry if I said that wrong. Did you call me? <laughs> anyway, to gain control of Egypt, Arabia, and the Levant. What's the Levant? The Levant is where Jerusalem, Jordan, all those countries that are like right along the... I didn't know there was like a name for that. Yeah, there's a name. Okay. It's where a lot of the Crusader states were too, back during the Crusades. I actually did mention that on one of our episodes. Did you really? I did. Wow. I think it was the Cleopatra ones. Point pay attention. You might have asked then too. <laughs> I don't think I did. I feel like that was the first time. I don't know. <laughs> um, in 1517, Martin Luther, not King, posts his wow. 95 theses in Saxony and starts the Protestant Reformation. Yes. In 1521, the Portuguese attempt to invade the Ming Dynasty of China but are expelled by Chinese naval forces. So now you've got Portugal doing its thing. <laughs> Going around. She just did a crescent moon shape for everyone who doesn't <laughs> see what's happening here. They, I believe it was, they had gone all the way around Africa because now this is mm. where you're getting exploration and they found a, a route to Asia. You can't see us, but really we're gesticulating. We're just, just gesticulating. Aggressively gesticulating. gesticulating. <laughs> In 1525, German and Spanish forces defeat France at the Battle of Pavia. This is when Francis I of France is captured. Francis I of France. And then, when he was like four? No, he was like 15, but still. No, this is, and remember, so he's captured by Charles V and ransoms his two sons yeah. in his place. Yeah, yeah. that's that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that asshole. <laughs> In 
1531 to 1532, the Church of England breaks away from the Catholic Church and recognizes Henry VIII as the head of the church. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to be doing a lot of that. Great. Especially in this episode. Oh, yeah. He's got a prominent role in this. Yep. Damn it. <laughs> in 1533, Elizabeth Tudor is born. In 15... 15- oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, our girl. Yep. <laughs> also in 1533, Catherine de Medici marries Henry II of France. Before he's Henry the Second, he's like not even the Dauphin yet. But they get married. The Dauphin, and yes, the Dauphin. The Dauphin. <laughs> in 1536, the Inquisition is established in Portugal. In 1542, Mary, Queen of Scots, is born. Hey. In 1543, Copernicus publishes his theory that the Earth and other planets revolve around the Sun. Blasphemy. <laughs> in 1550, Mongols, led by Alton Khan invade China and besiege Beijing. Is it Alton or Atlan? It looks like Alton because yeah. the L is before the T, but I could have mistyped no. that. No, I just, I probably am wrong. <laughs> I'm sometimes wrong. you're right. <laughs> um, I, I, in this instance, I think you're wrong, but maybe I'm right. Us, I don't know. I'm definitely wrong. It just sounded better. <laughs> Then in 1554, Elizabeth Tudor is imprisoned in the Tower of London by her sister, Mary Tudor, for suspicion of her involvement in the Wyatt Rebellion. Whoops. So, yeah. There are it you, is. Are you ready, ready to, to start in. this? Are yeah. you ready for some Tudor history? I mean, I know Tudor history. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> I, so, as I was writing this, as I was writing this, I was like, I can't write this. Like, I'm just chatting with Kat, who already knows some of the history. Yeah, you can't do that. I have to keep in mind that some of the people listening don't know Tudor history. That's fair. Um, I'll always hear Tudor history. So if at any point you think to yourself, Rachel's skipping something that people might not know, just... I'll try. Stop me and be like, hey, what about blah, blah, blah. Okay. Okay. I mean, you're smarter about the history part than I am. I'm going to actually (laughs) try to do this without reading my notes. For this part, okay. Um, outside of this part, so Mary Tudor, you're reading, <laughs> was born on February 18th, 1516, in the palace of Placentia to King Henry VIII of England and the first of his six wives, Catherine of Aragon. That always cracks me up. That castle name, Placentia. Placentia. You guys did that on purpose, <laughs> or was it an accident? <laughs> so, well, yeah, this little Mary girl was his first. Well, yeah. First kid, or did he already have a bastard by then? Didn't he have a son by then? I think the his bastard son comes after okay. she's born. I could be wrong, but it's, yeah. All right, so a little bit on this, this little girl named Mary, who has quite the pedigree. So from her father's side, her father was Henry VIII, who we will get into. But from her father's side, she was a scion of the Tudor dynasty, which is actually a relatively new dynasty in this time period. Her grandfather was Henry VII, and his marriage to Elizabeth of York ended the civil war in England known as the War of the Roses. If you are at all interested in this time period... Go watch the White Queen! And the White Princess. Yeah. (laughs) Oh yeah, the White Princess is technically this... Is Henry VII and (laughs) Elizabeth. Yeah, so basically, um, all hell broke loose when Henry VI became king and then he was actually, he had some mental instability and our girl, Margaret of Anjou from France, France, France? France, um, 
basically tried to step up into the role of king and english lords were like you can't do that and yeah. then you can't do that civil war us. broke out <laughs> between um basically it's called the cousins war mm-hmm. with the yorks so through henry the eighth his father ended up ending the war of the roses on mary's mother's side through catherine of aragon she is the granddaughter of a isabella of castile and Ferdinand of Aragon. Isabella of Castile was a warrior queen in Spain, but she was also uh, the woman responsible for expelling the Jews and the Muslims from Spain um, who had lived there for hundreds of years. So she is another one of those complicated women that did some horrible things, but also did some great things. And... Through her was Catherine of Aragon, who was Mary's mother. Basically, you have all of these very powerful women on Mary's mother's side. Now, when Catherine of Aragon had first been, I don't know, procured for England. (laughs) Wow, hi. Gemma does not like that. She says, you can't procure women. Oh! You're 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 mad at me and you're coming by me. She's the one cat Why are you angry? of cats that doesn't seem to like me as much. It makes me wow. Do you think so? <laughs> Do you think so? Bite me. Bite me in the butt. Just put her down. She wants to be put down. <laughs> She's so tense right now. Wow, <laughs> we get it. You're drama mad. queen. She's gonna go eat now. I just want you to be aware of that. So yeah, when um the alliance with Spain was made, Catherine of Aragon was supposed to marry Arthur, who was the eldest son of Henry the Seventh. Um, sickly, right? He was very yeah. What like, is with sickly princes of England? Well, and France. And France. Yeah, <laughs> there's just a lot of tuberculosis of this time period. That's what happens when vaccines don't exist yeah, and that's fair. yeah that's fair. <laughs> so they do end up getting married but the marriage is very short-lived because arthur dies within months and then catherine of aragon is just kind of kind of sort of held hostage by henry the seventh for a little bit until he could figure out what to do with her because yeah. They wanted to maintain the alliance with Spain. Um, part of that was done because the Tudor dynasty was new and having an alliance with Spain helped to legitimize it yeah. and give it more power. In the end, she ends up falling in love with Arthur's younger brother, Henry. Henry, the douchebag. They called him Harry at the time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so the big thing, the big mystery that history loves to speculate about. Mystery for mystery? The, the mystery, history, history, mystery. I don't know. Jesus anyway, <laughs> was whether or not Catherine of Aragon consummated her marriage with Arthur, which may sound like a silly question to us, but this is a huge part of this both... like starts everything. Yeah, of both <laughs> Catherine's story and Mary's story. So at the time, Catherine had said they had never consummated the marriage in this was the justification um, given so that the Pope and Rome could give them dispensation. Dispensation? Yes. Yeah. Uh, for, dispensation. for Henry and Catherine to marry. Without it, she was still considered his brother's wife. Yeah. And at the time, he fully believed it, and they had every reason to believe they'd go on to have children. Yeah. Well, as it turned out, 
uh, Catherine of Aragon suffered several miscarriages and stillbirths. And this became a huge problem because Henry VIII needed an heir. Yeah. And he very specifically wanted a male heir. If you go watch the White Queen and the White Princess series, they talk about the Tudor curse. Oh, yeah. Yeah, in which case um, it was Elizabeth of York, right? Mm -hmm. Who accidentally cursed her own family. Well, technically it was... Elizabeth. No, it was it was Elizabeth of York, not her mother. Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah. You're right. In the series, she like she's trying to put a hex on somebody else that it ends up kind of backfiring with because she ends up marrying the the line. <laughs> yeah, the line that had murdered her brothers. And again, to end the war. And the curse was basically saying, um, the, you ain't gonna get a family or a heir. Yeah, a the, heir. Li- the line of male heirs will die with you. And she ends yeah. up doing it to her own family. Of course, this is all fiction, but yeah, yeah, yeah. it plays into this. <laughs> so, over time, Catherine of Aragon does finally give birth to a healthy child. That child is Mary. Mary. And everybody's ecstatic and excited, it's but like Henry. but he's Henry, yeah, he's very much like. Okay, I'm glad we have a child together, but I need a son. Yeah. Because, guys, we can just flip a switch and birth whatever we want, right? That's that's a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Totally. I can be like, you want a, you want a male heir? Do you have Rock God's favor? Rock the fuck on. Do you have God's favor? Yeah. You get a male heir. Yeah. <laughs> just, you're so fucking stupid. <laughs> so at the time of Mary's birth, Catherine and Henry would have every reason to believe they would continue to conceive and eventually provide that ever-elusive male heir. Wow. Cats being stupid, it's fine. <laughs> oh, you're going to get your butt kicked. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Finn is the typical He's a bully. dude that just won't leave the chick yeah. alone and he then really gets won't. scratched. That's they're what happens obs- they're obsessed with if her you don't ridiculous. listen to no. <laughs> yeah, guys. <laughs> anyway, so over the years, it would become clear that Catherine and Henry would have no more children, at least not together. Mary was baptized in the Catholic tradition just three days after she was born. Among her godparents named at the baptism had been the Lord Chancellor Thomas Wolsey. Mm -hmm. You know him. Mm -hmm. You guys might not. He was one of Henry VIII's advisors, um, a commoner who rose to very high stock within the church, which pissed off a lot of people. And then Henry killed him. How dare you be Henry kills a lot of his own friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't be friends with Henry. Or a wife to Henry. I don't know. Don't be around Henry. Yeah, just just don't be in England at this time. (laughs) Henry VIII's first cousin once removed, Margaret Pohl, the Countess of Salisbury. You remember her? Uh, You guys don't, but Kat does. (laughs) You guys are not involved in this, clearly. (laughs) She was appointed as Mary's governess. Mm -hmm. Mary's mother, Catherine of Aragon, had introduced a new tradition of educating noble girls through her daughter, Mary. So before this time, women basically just got your typical training of embroidery, learning music, all that. The bullshit. Yeah, all the domestic stuff to attract a husband. Um, But Catherine of Aragon very much wanted her daughter to be educated in the same tradition as men. Mm -hmm. Or as boys. Wasn't Catherine, like, super educated too? Yeah. Yeah. So in England, yeah, this was new. Not for Catherine. Way to go, England. <laughs> Thanks for catching up. 
Mary was also said to be a very precocious child. Do you know what that means? It's something to do with being ridiculous. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) They just develop um, skills at an early age. Yeah. By the age of four, she was already entertaining the French delegation on the Virginals. I have a picture. Oh, God. So the Virginals are basically a harpsichord-type instrument that looks like a piano. Okay. She's four. She's four. Stop it. Playing this. Yep. Stop it. <laughs> By the age of nine, she could already read and write in Latin, and she was said to have studied French, Spanish, Greek, and was also an accomplished singer and dancer as well. So she basically received a true Renaissance education before it was in fashion around Europe. Hell yeah. As a young princess, Mary was one of the most powerful and eligible bachelorettes in all of Europe. So, of course, that meant that Henry VIII tried to secure a promising match for his daughter almost immediately after she was born. That's not great. We're back to this. (laughs) We got away from it for like half a second. You're going to recognize some of these names. So when she was two years old, Mary was betrothed to Francis the First of, of France. <laughs> Francis the First of France of the foreign land. I don't know. <laughs> His infant son, also named Francis. <laughs> so this is not Mary, Queen of Scots, Francis. Okay. This is a different one that like ended up dying. This okay. is Henry the Second's older brother. Okay. But Mary was betrothed to him. England and France have a spectacular history of being frenemies, though. And after three years, Mary's father... England, France, and Spain. Yes. (laughs) Mary's father decided that he no longer liked France and broke the betrothal. Guys, this is literally just like a giant sandbox of toddlers. It's going to get worse. It's ridiculous. Are you ready? Yep. So fear not. Fear not, Kat. Mary had another very promising marriage prospect waiting for her. You said Marietta, and that's exactly where I went. <laughs> um, and this marriage prospect came courtesy of her mother, Catherine of Aragon. Okay. So, Catherine of Aragon's nephew, the Holy Roman Emperor, Charles V of Spain. No. Yes. No. Yes. No. It's that Charles. Yeah, but nephew. He's young and I'm strapping. I'm stuck on nephew. And he's the Holy Roman Emperor. He's also her and he's like 21 years old. So he's, he's her, her cousin. cousin. Yeah. <laughs> I I love how I know this happens. Like, I'm very aware. But every time you say it, I'm just like, we're marrying babies and cousins. So. Yeah, she was like six getting engaged to her 21-year-old cousin. Stop it. But he was the most powerful man in all of Europe at the time. Doesn't make it better. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. He was 22 years old. Oh, excuse the fuck out of me. A whole nother year. <laughs> Why not? Let's just rack him on. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so yes, they were cousins, and yes, yes, yes. <laughs> this is the very same Charles V that sacked Rome, sieged Catherine de Medici when she was just a child in Florence, and captured Francis I of France and held both of his sons, Francis and Henry, captive so in Spain. So he's a good guy. He's a great guy. Great guy. What's wrong with him? I, there's so many things that isn't I don't it, have time for. Isn't it just <laughs> interesting how this all like lines all up? All connected. Now? Yeah. Um. Go listen to Catherine de' Medici part one for more information on uh, the sack of Rome yeah. and how she was held as a hostage as a child because Just of Charles V. more about this sack of shit. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Fortunately for Mary and unfortunately for Henry VIII, Charles broke off the engagement a few years later. Spain and England also have a long history of being frenemies. So thanks to a change in the wind of European politics, this marriage suddenly became unfavorable to Spain. 
Henry VIII would continue to court Europe to find a husband for his only legitimate child well into Mary's preteen years. After courting a French alliance once more, um, Mary would be offered to both Francis I himself <laughs> and the future Henry II. Oh, God. Before Catherine de' Medici. Jesus. Yep. Um, and she was also offered to James V of Scotland, oh my God. who was Mary, Queen of Scots' father. Okay. Yep. This is, oh, God. <laughs> Everything about this. Yeah. Do you, I always, like, love imagining, like, if one of these had gone through, like, how things how would have changed. differently yeah. things could have gone. If not necessarily for the better, but just different. I mean, if... If Mary had been married off to James V in Scotland, the Protestant Re- Reformation might never have happened. Yeah. This is true. Because she's very Catholic, as we're going to yeah. find out. <laughs> anyway, so Henry VIII was said to absolutely adore his daughter Mary, but it was becoming very clear over time the disappointment over not only being able to produce any more children and specifically a male heir was beginning to strain the relationship between her mother and father. In time, it became clear that Mary's mother had reached an age where she could no longer have any more children. And so Henry set about to having their marriage annulled so that he could get himself a new fertile wife to produce a male heir with. The basis for the annulment that does end up occurring had been that Catherine of Aragon was previously married to his brother, Arthur citing a passage from Leviticus in the Bible. Henry claimed their marriage was unclean because she had been his brother's widow. How convenient for him that he, he's okay with saying it wasn't consummated when he wanted her. Mm -hmm. And now that he doesn't want her suddenly it's like, Oh no, woe is me. Yeah. She went into this knowing full well, (laughs) the whole thing with, with Henry, from what I understand, is he'll later go on to say Catherine deceived him. Bullshit. And he'd been wrapped with guilt the whole time. Bullshit. <laughs> but, you know. He's a freaking great liar. <laughs> We're going to have more of that. <laughs> <laughs> I apologize in advance, guys. I really don't like Henry VIII. Um, Catherine the Aragon herself claimed that her marriage to Arthur had never been consummated, thus making her first ma- marriage invalid. This had been, again, the justification used um, to get their marriage approved by the Pope in the first place. Now, Henry was determined to sever the marriage, but Catherine held on for dear life, refusing to agree to the annulment in part because she loved her husband, but also because she knew what that would mean for Mary. Be her and her daughter's ruin. Mm -hmm. All because Henry's a dick. If Henry succeeded in rendering their marriage invalid, it would mean that Mary herself was not legitimate and thus she would be named a bastard. The harder Catherine hung on, though, the more she seemed to repel Henry, especially after he had set his sights on a new woman named Anne Boleyn. In time, Catherine fell completely out of favor with Henry and was sent away from court. In early 1533, when Mary was around the age of 17, Henry officially had his marriage to her mother annulled and married his second wife, Anne Boleyn. Within a year, Anne was already pregnant and gave birth to Mary's half-sister, Elizabeth. Elizabeth. (laughs) It's our girl. (laughs) My girl, anyway. Before the very long and drawn-out divorce of Henry VIII and Catherine of Aragon, Mary had enjoyed several privileges as the heir to the English throne. Although she was never officially granted the title of Princess of Wales, 
Several people still referred to her as such, and Henry had even gifted Mary with Ludlow Castle and a number of attendants to attend her own court at the castle. She's basically giving all, given all the trimmings of being yeah. the heir. After he set her mother aside, Mary was removed from the line of succession in favor of her younger half-sister, Elizabeth, and officially declared illegitimate. Mm-hmm. All at the whims of a man. Douchebag. <laughs> Nailed. <laughs> to add insult to injury, she was no longer a princess and was officially styled as the Lady Mary. Ouch. <laughs> Mary's household was then dissolved and all her servants were dismissed, including Margaret Pole, her governess. Wow. She was then moved to Hatfield Castle, where she was expected to join her infant half-sister's household and serve alongside the others as lady-in-waiting to Elizabeth. Yeah. Uh, that's called salt in the wound. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. By this point, it is said that Mary regularly suffered from irregular periods and depression. Remember that for later. People are not sure if the stress of the situation with her mother or her own status contributed to the anxiety or if it was some other deep-seated illness. Um, it may have been both. Yeah. I think it was both. Personally. I think it was both because that's very fair that she's completely stressed out. She's basically becoming estranged with her father. <laughs> yeah. For her own part, Mary's chosen form of rebellion was to openly refuse acknowledging Anne Boleyn as Queen of England or acknowledging her younger half-sister as a princess. I would definitely also do that. <laughs> I would be this petty. <laughs> During the short marriage of Anne Boleyn and Henry VIII, Mary's mother grew increasingly ill. Mary had asked her father permission to visit her dying mother, but was forbidden from doing so. Fuck off. And in 1536, Catherine of Aragon died of a chill in the castle her once doting ex-husband had abandoned her to. Later that same year, Anne Boleyn fell out of favor with Henry VIII after the miscarriage of her second child, citing adultery with several members of the English court, including her own brother. Most historians believe this was false. Anne Boleyn was charged with treason and executed outside the Tower of London. I just, like, clearly a pattern is happening, guys. Two weeks later. Why the fuck are we being like, let's marry Henry? Two weeks later. No, what? Henry VIII married his third wife, the boring Jane Seymour. Say, Two weeks later. Yeah, he doesn't have a very good track record of loving his wives, especially when they prove useless to him. He is a useless human, but his wives are not allowed to be useless because we can't both be useless because then it's not great. <laughs> um, and at the same time, Mary's infant half-sister, Elizabeth, was declared illegitimate right alongside can you, Mary. Can you imagine living in this time? No. That's your, well, we I would die. You're kind of living in this time now <laughs> with like our leaders being ridiculous for like years. Oh but like, yeah. can you imagine like this shit's happening and you're all like, we're starving? Like, we're not great? Can you fuck off with this bullshit? Like, yeah. just keep one wife. One wife is fine. <laughs> and and stay with her. Yeah, yeah. Just, just don't murder her. Just pick one. Yeah. <laughs> and keep her. Right? God. He goes through what? Like, seven? Six. Six. Oh, we're going to talk about all of them. Jesus. <laughs> now, boring Jane Seymour did one good thing. Aww. Okay? She encouraged her husband to reconcile with his eldest daughter and eventually managed to break him down. Can you imagine doing that like i just i give her credit for that yeah i give her credit that's, for that that's too. a good thing to have done 
<laughs> when Henry at last reached out to Mary, he promised to reinstate her household and allow her to return to court, but only if she agreed to recognize him as the head of the Church of England, acknowledge that his marriage to her mother had been unlawful, and openly acknowledge her own illegitimacy and denounce papal authority. How do you not go, hey, dad, fuck her you. father. Yeah. Yeah. Like, glad it feels like you love me. <laughs> Mary was said to have inherited her mother's courage and her father's stubbornness. Oh, no. For years, she refused to acknowledge herself as anything other than the king's eldest legitimate child. That's fair. Mary has also been raised in the Catholic faith thanks to her mother and was thus incredibly devout. To denounce papal authority would be to go against every religious conviction she possessed. But Henry refused to relent, and for a time there was a stalemate between Henry and his equally headstrong daughter. Mary promised to submit to her father's authority as far as God and my conscious conscience permitted, but Henry continued to bully and break her down until she eventually signed an official document that acknowledged all of her father's demands. You know... And she was said to have felt, like, completely sick in doing so. Yeah, but can you... Just, like, we hate Henry... For what he did to his wives. But what, but what he, we really should hate him for is what he did to his daughters. Yeah. Like, fuck you. Agreed. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's common, you know, like, it's common for men to be dicks to their wives at this time. But, like, to do that to your fucking daughter. Well, it's either your father disowns you and, like, takes away everything he had given you. Or he gives you over as a hostage to Charles V. Like, choose your poison, I guess. <laughs> now you know why all these people I will choose my up. poison bottle. <laughs> give it to my douchebag father. Not my real one. So you're the, the daughter story. of Catherine de' Medici. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not the real one. I love my father. <laughs> oh, man. See, that could have solved so many problems. Here, Dad, drink this tea. <laughs> Mary was also allegedly counseled by Charles V through his own ambassador to do this in order to, like preserve what power she had yeah he's like look it sucks but it doesn't suck this much yeah it could be worse (laughs) (laughs) now once signed henry officially reconciled with his eldest daughter reinstated her household and even invited her back to court i'd be like we'll reconcile the paper (laughs) paper (laughs) not long after the marriage negotiations picked up again and mary was considered once again the most eligible bachelorette in all of europe Another proposed husband for her had been William I, Duke of Cleves, a.k.a. Jean the Queen's first husband. Jean the Queen! That she had been carried down the aisle kicking and screaming yes. to. Also going on around this time, the English Reformation was fast taking hold in England, and the first whiffs of Catholic unrest and rebellion were already sprouting in northern England where Catholicism had its strongest roots. One of these uprisings was known as the Pilgrimage of Grace. It was a direct response to the religious policies initiated by Henry VIII and his chief advisor of the time, Thomas Cromwell. Upon breaking with the Roman Catholic Church, they had dissolved all the lesser monasteries in England and confiscated goods, property, and gold from those churches and gave them to the crown. What the fuck? Yep. Oh, like I can't, I like I'm at a point where I'm like I can't hate him anymore. And then you say things, and I'm like, oh yeah, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> He's not a great person. No, <laughs> God. In the so, end, sorry. When he broke from the Catholic Church, he he's not the one who started anything like a different religion, right? 
It's just that the different religions sprouted up from him breaking. So. Sorry, this is like off topic. No, no, no. This is actually on topic. Um, I have it somewhere in my notes. So okay, I'll just. a question that I just asked and we'll answer it later. <laughs> no, we're going to answer it now. So oh, okay. here, here's the thing. Um, Anne Boleyn had introduced ideas of the Reformation oh, okay. to Henry very carefully yeah. because it, it was considered heresy. The thing Henry liked was the thing he could use, which was basically saying the church is corrupt. Mm. Authority does not have to come. Authority to God does not have to go through the church. It's personal. I don't like, I don't like that. I'm agreeing with him right now. <laughs> and he used that to help facilitate his divorce to Catherine of Aragon. So Henry himself would never call himself a Protestant. Yeah. He did not agree with Protestants either. He was just out for himself and yes. used anything yeah. to his advantage because he is a worthless pile The of only shit. thing he liked about the Sorry. Reformation <laughs> was basically justifying building the Church of England and breaking from Rome so he could name himself as head of the church. He's a douche commander. <laughs> <laughs> a douche canoe. <laughs> yes, he is. God, yes. I hate him so much. <laughs> In the end, Henry VIII dispatched one of his closest allies and most powerful of lords, the Duke of Norfolk, this was Anne Boleyn's ambitious uncle, mm-hmm. to suppress the rebellion. And ultimately, several lords were convicted of treason and executed, and hundreds of lesser lords, knights, monks, priests, and activists were all executed either by hanging or beheading. Damn. Mm-hmm. Did, I'm not going to say it. Go ahead. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of that this episode. I know. But this like is the again. fact that he has the authority to kill that many people, you have to be cozy as an asshole. Well, this is why, you know, in other countries, they're very wary of the idea of um killing any lords because yeah. once you do it's just a free-for-all yeah it's just... but that all changed during the wars snowball the war of roses yeah. the war of the roses in england and it's just it just catapults and it escalates during the tudor era of course it does one of the most powerful lords um that had been executed had been lord i think it's hussy no it's not <laughs> are you serious yeah that's it <laughs> He had been Mary's former chamberlain, who was the senior royal official in charge of Mary's household. Mary was not implicated in the rebellion herself, but she would have likely sympathized with the tenants of the rebellion and no doubt would remember the mass executions when she came to power later in life. Yeah. She's like, let's not do that. Or she... No, she did it. I know. I was like, (laughs) damn it! (laughs) A little over a year after marrying Henry VIII, Jane Seymour at last provided Henry with the male heir he had so desired all of his life, named Edward. And then she died a couple of days later. <laughs> She's like, I did it, and now I don't want to deal with him. I get the last laugh, bitch! I'm out! <laughs> Sorry, Jane. I apologize. It's really sad that you died, but you won. I mean, she was boring, so it's okay. fine. <laughs> Bridget, she died. <laughs> It just annoys me that he was like, she was the love of my life. And I'm like, no, she didn't have enough time to show you her flaws. She so won. You could hate her. She won up to you and was like, I'm going to die before you do something. Like, here's your son. Me. I'm done. Yeah. I'm done. Have it. Goodbye. <laughs> Mary was named as godmother for her half brother, the new indisputable heir to the English throne. 
Over the next couple of years, Mary's father would take on a total of three more wives, one in which he annulled the marriage to, which was Anne of Cleves, and another... What was his excuse then? She was ugly. Yeah. I'm not even going to touch that. (laughs) So... The interesting thing about Anne of Cleves is it was, like, not a great situation for her. But people were like, it's either this or you lose your head. And she was like, you know what? I don't need my head. This is great. (laughs) By this point, Henry VIII had gout as well and, like, open sores on his legs. So it was already... (laughs) So you're as ugly on the outside as you are on the inside. (laughs) Woo! Your evil is showing. Ironically (laughs) enough, after they divorced and he remarried, um, they became good friends. He would visit her. It was almost... He would call her my sister. Yeah, and she was invited back to court and they would, like, play cards. So the best way to have, like, a healthy relationship with Henry VIII is to just be his friend. <laughs> um, yeah, so Anne of Cleves actually, like, kind of wins in the end. Kind of, yeah. Because she was still um, afforded all the pensions of, like, a queen dowager. She got to live very comfortably well, in England. pretend friend and, and play cards with you for five minutes. And she outlives <laughs> Henry VIII. Yes. <laughs> She's one of two women or wives who do that. So another wife, he also had executed on charges of adultery. This had been the teenage Catherine Howard. No. Yeah. Also, fuck you with this adultery business, you adulterer. She was also, um, interestingly enough, (laughs) Anne Boleyn's cousin. Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Now. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on. Yep. <laughs> Whenever Henry was between wives, Mary had the good fortune of hosting the various festivities held at court and upholding the responsibilities generally held by the queen consort. Yeah. Thanks to the intervention of Henry's sixth and final wife, Catherine Parr, Henry was fully reconciled with all three of his children, and in 1544, she convinced Henry to add both Mary and Elizabeth to the line of succession after their brother Edward. But both Mary and Elizabeth were still considered legally illegitimate. He refused to back back out of that. He he couldn't. He can't. He can't because then he looks like the tool that he is. Yeah, yeah. He then, admits to it. If, Everyone knows you are. If but. <laughs> if Elizabeth is legitimate, then it illegitimizes Edward. Yeah. So yeah. <sighs> You're still a douche. <laughs> Three years later. Mary's father finally died. Her nine-year-old brother, Edward, ascended to the throne of England as King Edward VI. Guys, I would never, (laughs) I would never condone and congratulate death, but this is an exception (laughs) and I am here for it. (laughs) Rest in peace. Yeah, R.I.P.H. (laughs) You were a piece of shit. You were (laughs) We will not miss you. No. Enjoy hell. Now, as Edward was only nine years old, a regency was formed around him, led by his uncle, Edward Seymour, and a number of other powerful Protestant English lords. Edward himself had been raised in the Protestant faith, along with Mary's sister, Elizabeth, and during Edward's regency, his council used their newfound power to officially establish Protestantism as the official religion of England. A note on the English Reformation. Ah, this was my note. Ah! Henry wasn't, he wasn't Protestant himself, um, but he liked some of the tenants and used them for legal reasons. Yeah. (laughs) 
The one note I will make, again, he wasn't Protestant himself, and it was also incredibly dangerous to openly champion Protestantism in his presence. At one point, Catherine Parr was nearly arrested and charged with treason on the rumors that she herself was a practicing Protestant. She's like, bitch, you did this. This is your fault. (laughs) Uh, Spoiler alert, she was. Protestant? Yes. Yes. And um, she is the first queen in history... Um, I don't, and it, I don't even think it's just in England. I think in the history of like the world to write her own memoirs. Ooh, yeah, and awesome. she deliberately rose Elizabeth in the Protestant faith. Hell yeah! Yep. In 1549, the Act of Uniformity was signed into law by the boy King Edward and his regents, which took the first official steps of introducing Protestant doctrine into official church rites in England and established the 1549 Book of Common Prayer as the singular form of prayer in England, essentially negating all other rites that use Latin in church services, a.k.a. Catholicism. Yep. So that Book of Common Prayer you can read, that comes from... Edward the Sixth time. Yeah. All right. When Edward had ascended the throne as King of England, he granted Mary the estates of Norfolk, Suffolk, and Essex, and Mary decided to remain among her estates for a large portion of Edward's reign. As the country slowly converted to Protestantism, pressure was once again applied to Mary to convert to the new status quo, but predictably, she refused. She's like, nah. <laughs> Mary's form of rebelling at the time had been to openly celebrate traditional mass in her private chapel. Everyone else would have had to done so to do so in secret. Yeah. But she's a princess. She's like, so, fuck your shit. Basically. <laughs> My father is Henry VIII. I should be able to have whatever I want. <laughs> Just like he did. Yeah. <laughs> Throughout Edward's reign, he continually attempted to force his by now fully adult sister. She was in her early 30s. To abandon Catholicism. How old is he? He's in his early teens. He's not doing this of his own accord. He's doing this because his advisors are whispering in his his ears. I'm sure they were whispering, but he was like known to be fanatical in like his early teens because he was indoctrinated. Yeah. (laughs) Can you just imagine like a 13 year old arguing with a 30 year old? Yeah. She's like, I'm sorry. Where are your diapers? Like, get the fuck away from me. Mary remained ever steadfast and refused. It was also said that when it became increasingly dangerous for her to openly practice her faith, she reached out to her cousin, Charles V, to apply political pressure on her half-brother and intercede on her behalf, which he did. So that was like her buffer. Okay. So just imagine for a second, the obnoxious but very powerful Charles V, who had managed to sack Rome and take on France for several decades, Facing off against the snooty but arrogant teenage Edward VI, who was said to be the spitting image of his obnoxious father at the time. Oh, God. (laughs) He's like, what? I'm sorry. One more time? I just picture him, like, putting his palm on Edward's forehead and (laughs) throwing little baby punches. (laughs) Meanwhile, Mary's just like, this is great. (laughs) At one point, Mary was said to have feared for her life, or namely her head, Um, To the point that she attempted to get herself smuggled out of England and over to the European mainland, where Catholicism was still the prevailing religion for her own safety. But that plan fell through. Yeah. In another story of Mary facing off against her brat king brother, 
The increasingly fanatical Edward attempted to publicly scold Mary for ignoring his religious reforms in front of the court. By the end of it, both were in tears. Wow. Edward was 13 and Mary was 34. She's like, dude, you're 13. Maybe do some 13-year-old <laughs> shit. Get over this weird fanaticism you have here. I don't understand. <laughs> I'm 30-something and I'm not this fanatical. Uh, and, mm, I mean, she was, yeah. Take that back. Okay, fine. <laughs> shit. Damn it. That's <laughs> we're going to find out. Shut up. Uh, take that back. You take that back. You take that back. <laughs> Now, even even though the two openly sparred over their differing religions, Edward was allegedly still very fond of both Elizabeth and Mary. It's likely the vexation he felt with her was very similar to that of his father's vexation with Mary um, when she refused to submit to his authority. Yeah, but Henry probably had no feeling for his daughters. Like, you can't do that to your daughters and not. And like, he's just a narcissist. Yeah, I know. He only had feeling... Feelings for himself. You can say it. Yeah. <laughs> they were an extension it's of fair. him. Yeah. <sighs> By the summer of 1553, Edward's health appeared to be deteriorating. At that point, he secretly met with his council to discuss the succession of the English throne. How old is he? He's, you'll find out. Okay. <laughs> you'll find out. Edward was still a teenager and thus unmarried and lacking any heirs of his own. And so the next person in line to inherit the throne legally was Mary. There's just one problem. Mary was Catholic. (sighs) Edward and his Protestant regents understood that if she were allowed to ascend the throne of England, she would likely undo all the reforms that Edward and Henry VIII had put in place and reestablish Catholicism as the official religion of England. Yeah. On his deathbed, Edward created a new will that excluded Mary from the line of succession. Edward's advisors, led by John Dudley, does the name Dudley sound familiar? Mm-hmm. The Duke of Northumberland. He's Robert Dudley's father. Oh. Uh, Robert Dudley is Elizabeth's uh, future boyfriend. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert, guys. <laughs> I mean, technically, um, did we spoil it? Because we've already spoiled it with Mary. If you haven't listened to the Mary episodes, but yes. If you haven't, why are you not going in order? <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so, led by John Dudley, um, he informed Edward that he would not be able to diser- disinherit only one of his sisters. <sighs> in order for this to have any legitimacy, he would also have to disinherit Elizabeth on right. the grounds that they Elizabeth's were illegitimate. Like, what the fuck? I didn't do anything. <laughs> and so that's what he did. Ugh. John Dudley convinced Edward to name the Lady Jane Grey as his successor, who was also conveniently his daughter-in-law. I was like, who the fuck is Jane Grey? Who the fuck is Jane Grey? (laughs) Jane Grey is the granddaughter of Henry VII's daughter, Mary Tudor. This is Henry VIII's sister, the one that married Charles Brandon. (sighs) Okay. (laughs) So she's, she's a cousin? Yeah. Like, once or twice removed, and she is not a bastard. (laughs) So, that is Lady Jane Grey. And then on July 6, 1553, Edward VI died, likely of tuberculosis. He was 15 years old. Jesus. All that maneuvering Henry VIII had done to find himself a new wife and get a legitimate male heir had been all for naught. That's called karma. (laughs) It's really sad that it was upon your son and your son had to die for it but this is why you're not an asshole that marks the official male line the end of the 
male line of the Tudor dynasty. (laughs) You know, it makes me so upset because if you think about it, like what they did with like the Tudors and like bringing, you know, peace, quote unquote, after all this infighting and, and making a new dynasty, like it could have been so great if Henry VIII had never been born. Yeah. Like, it could have been great. Or maybe if Arthur hadn't died and yeah. it was him and Catherine of Aragon, who knows what would have happened. It just, it just, but then we wouldn't get all these wonderful TV shows. You're not wrong. Because <laughs> there was so much drama. Yeah. Drama that you cannot make up. Like, you can't make you can't, this up. You can't make this, this up. This is insane. That's why it's like, if you've seen Game of Thrones, all of that was inspired by actual history. That was 10 times worse. <laughs> Except for the dragons part. The dragons were not real. Sadly. Maybe. Possibly. (laughs) Just before Edward had died, Mary was summoned to London to visit him, but she was tipped off by one of her supporters that Edward's supporters were intending to capture her in order to ensure the smooth succession of Jane Grey. That is problematic. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So Mary ends up fleeing to East Anglia, which is in southern England where several Catholic supporters resided, many of whom were directly opposed to the Duke of Northumberland's rule because of his brutal suppression of Catholics during the previous rebellion. On July 10th, 1553, Lady Jane Grey was announced as Queen of England by Northumberland's supporters, but on that same day, a letter from Mary arrived in London with orders for the Privy Council to prepare for her arrival and her rule. Oh, shit. (laughs) By July 12th, Mary had already assembled a military force to march on London if necessary and take her throne. As news of Mary's movements reached London, the Duke of Northumberland's support collapsed. Jane was officially deposed on July 19, 1553. She is sometimes referred to as the Nine Days Queen. Aww, (laughs) but you know what? Good for Mary. Like, she's like... This has been my life, and I'm done. Yeah, she's like, no, uh, that throne is mine. That is a hard it's no. It's been mine <laughs> since <Yeah>. birth. <laughs> On August 3rd, 1553, Mary Tudor rode into London at the head of a large procession and was greeted by a cheering crowd to welcome their new queen. And riding at her side was her younger half-sister, Elizabeth. I hope Henry is rolling in his grave I at hope this so moment. Too. Like, he's like, God damn it! If only you had just not been a douche. The Duke of Northumberland and Jane Grey had already been imprisoned in the Tower of London by the time Mary arrived. Sorry, Jane. I know you're a pawn, but... One of Mary's first actions as queen was to play a game of musical chairs in the Tower of London. Mm -hmm. She had her Catholic supporters that had previously been imprisoned released. Oops. (laughs) To her own credit, she did understand that Jane Grey had been but a pawn in her father-in-law's schemes and decided not to execute her. Oh, yay, I guess. (laughs) Jane was instead placed under house arrest. Okay. And John Dudley, the Duke of Northumberland, was found guilty of treason and executed before a crowd of 10,000 spectators outside the Tower of London. But not before he was forced to convert back to Catholicism and publicly renounce the Reformation. Before Northumberland died, he pleaded with Mary to spare his five sons. One of these sons would go on to become the future Robert Dudley, Earl of Leicester, a.k.a. Elizabeth's boy. Her boy toy. <laughs> who she offered up to Mary Queen of Scots. Yes. <laughs> Go listen to Mary Queen of Scots part two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
Once the nasty business of treason was dealt with, Mary finally turned to the ever-important task of organizing her coronation, and on October 1st, 1553, Mary Tudor was crowned in Westminster Abbey as Queen Mary, first of her name, and for the first time in English history, England had its first crown Queen Regnant. Woo! Hell yeah. Only two women had been named Queen of England before her, the Lady Jane Grey, the Nine Days Queen, and Empress Matilda, but none had ever been crowned. And so if you look at the history of English kings and queens, they're never named. Interesting. Mm-hmm. All right. And so the reign of Bloody Mary officially begins now. Mary is 37 years old. Now, compared to the other women we've covered, Mary was quite the spinster queen at 37 years of age. The stamp of illegitimacy had hampered several marriage alliances during her youth, and now that she was Queen of England, getting herself a husband and pregnant with an heir became incredibly important. Yeah. Elizabeth was at present her heir, but she was Protestant, and Mary did not want a Protestant queen ascending the throne after her. I just roll my eyes because, like, so much of this could be avoided if y'all just calm the hell down. If y'all just accepted everybody's religion. Yeah, we other people can be religious and believe other things on their own and we're the same things just differently <laughs> but i digress i'm not my soapbox <laughs> mary's council petitioned her to choose an english noble for a consort but mary was soon courted by the habsburg court of spain hey. so you remember charles v and how he initially scorned mary all those years ago no well guess what no he has a son oh, God. he's like look you remember you remember who his son is no Philip the second oh and he's in need of a wife oh shit <laughs> so as part of the marriage negotiations charles sent a portrait of prince philip to mary we have a picture of that scroll down a little bit oh i was like it's not that because that's a very feminine male that's him oh my god those tights <laughs> those pictures above um that's young mary yeah. she's actually pretty also yeah. very young mary and then that's um a family portrait. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, those tights! <laughs> Can't get over it. Why is he like his hand is like awkwardly on his helmet? Like, because he's a warrior. <laughs> no, the fuck he's not. Yeah, he is. <laughs> uh, if that approached me on the battlefield, I'd be like, "This is a joke, right?" I'm being punked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was like a warrior prince. Mm. He would continue Charles's fight with France. That fucking joke. <laughs> okay sorry go ahead <laughs> for mary this was a very advantageous match philip was the heir to the largest kingdom in europe as the habsburgs had territory in spain the netherlands portions of the italian peninsula and the new world over in the americas and best part of it all he was catholic Ugh. for england it was unpopular almost across the board English Protestants were fearful of a Catholic consort, especially one that was infamously one of the most violent anti-Protestants in the known world at the time. Yeah. Mary's advisors were equally unhappy with the proposal, fearing a Spanish alliance would result in England becoming absorbed into the greater Habsburg kingdom. They were also concerned Philip would challenge his role as consort and press for equal rights with Mary to grant himself dominion I over can England. Guarantee this fool would do that. <laughs> this was a very real fear that had legal precedence as well. 
Under the English common law, all property and titles belonging to a woman became her husband's upon marriage. We just rolled our eyes. I, yeah. Yes. <laughs> as, as I think did all of our listeners. So. <laughs> the fear was that any man Mary married would become king of England in both name and fact. To quell the fears of her English subjects, Mary's counselors drafted a new law that would limit the powers of Prince Philip in Queen Mary's Marriage Act. In this Renaissance-style prenup, Philip would be styled as the King of England and Ireland for the duration of their marriage only. All official documents would be signed with both Mary and Philip's name, and Parliament itself could only be called under the joint authority of the King and Queen. Yes. The act allowed Philip to formally co-reign with Mary, but it prevented him from taking Mary and any child they produced outside of England. It also prevented him from appointing any English offices himself or inheriting the throne of England should he outlive Mary. This is what Mary, Queen of Scots, should have done with Darling. Yeah. yeah. But also, can you imagine how upset Philip is? He's like, I could have had everything. He was but pissed. I just got out. He was not happy with oh, it at man. all. Yeah, he was notoriously unhappy. Because you know that Spain made that alliance on purpose. Yeah. They wanted everything that we just negated to happen. And now they're all like, shit. He was also allegedly completely unattracted to her. So he was just like, he looks like the type of guy who's only attracted (laughs) to himself. Probably. (laughs) He's like, oh, mirror. Hi. (laughs) Now the act also forbade England from providing military support to Philip's father in any way. The flip side, England did not get to enjoy any of the lucrative trade that Spain managed to establish in the new world. Well, that's, even though England kind of needed it. Yeah, you kind of just, like, crippled yourself. Yeah, well, I mean, if they're basically saying we're not interfering in your business, you can't just piggyback off of the good stuff. You have to... Yeah. Um, I know how everyone else did it before. (laughs) And Mary forbade English piracy against her husband's navy. Okay, all right. Now, with the terms of the marriage officially established, Mary and Philip officially married at Winchester Cathedral on July 25th, 1554. Even before the marriage took place, it was already sparking unrest from Protestants in England who were not too keen to have a notoriously fervent Catholic prince for a consort. In response to the proposed marriage, Wyatt's rebellion broke out in England. Four rebel leaders emerged and pledged to instigate uprising in their four respective counties. These leaders were Sir Thomas Wyatt, Sir James Croft, Sir Peter Carew, Peter Carew, Carew, yeah, sure, Carew, Carew, <laughs> and Henry Gray, Duke of Suffolk, who had been the Lady Jane Grey's father. Ooh. The intent was to converge on London with their four armies, remove Mary from the throne, and put her younger Protestant half sister Elizabeth in her place. Although the prospect of Mary naming Philip as her consort had been the pretense for which the rebellion began, it's likely that there were religious factors motivating the the rebellion. Mary had pretty much cleaned up shop and placed an overwhelming number of Catholics on her privy council, and Protestants of the country were fearful that she would officially return the country to Catholicism and move to violently suppress Protestantism. Spoiler alert, she does. 
The rebellion ended up imploding on itself, however, but the consequences were dire for all those involved. Sir Thomas Wyatt was beheaded and then his body was quartered outside of the Tower of London. His family also lost all of their lands and titles, including their family home of Alington Castle. That sucks. They didn't have anything to do with it, probably. In addition to Thomas Wyatt, 90 other rebels were captured and executed in typical medieval fashion of being hanged, drawn, and then quartered. That is so crazy. Mm-hmm. Lady- 90 people. Like, yeah. 90 people. Nine zero quartered. people. Oof. Quartered. Okay. Oh, this is just getting started. I know, but those, <laughs> like, no one ever, like, accentuates the fact that 90 people died. Like, that's yeah. a lot of fucking people yeah. to die at once. Yeah. Anyway. Yep. <laughs> We're not done. Uh. <laughs> Lady Jane Grey's father was also executed. And although Jane Grey had still been under house arrest and took no direct role in the rebellion, her family's role sealed her fate. No. Having already been convicted of treason for assuming the throne of e- England illegally, she had allegedly signed a couple of documents as Queen Jane. Mary had previously spared her life, but now decided to go through with the false queen's execution. Jane Grey was given an opportunity to convert to Catholicism before her execution, which she refused. She was also granted the choice of either burning alive, which was the traditional English punishment for treason committed by women, or beheading. Fuck off. Jane... But also, is that really a choice? <laughs> She she chose beheading for herself. One of those is going to be a longer execution and more yeah. painful. Yeah, yeah. Jane chose beheading. On February 12th, 1554, Jane was executed outside the Tower of London and granted the swift death of one stroke of the axe. Oh, okay, good. She okay. was 16 or 17 years old. That's sad. Yep. She's Several of the rebels had been tortured before their deaths in hopes that they might implicate Mary's half-sister, Elizabeth, in the rebellion, but no one ever confessed. Elizabeth herself was captured and imprisoned in the Tower of London for two months, where she underwent intense interrogation. Yeah. She was allegedly spared due to her famously evasive responses, displaying a talent for wordsmithing that would go on to serve her very well when she came to the throne of England later. Yeah. Very smart young woman. Yes. She would survive the charges, but remain under house arrest for the duration of Mary's reign. And this experience likely informed her choices when it came to dealing with her cousin, Mary, Queen of Scots, later on in her reign. Oh. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Does that kind of, like, make sense? Yeah. Yeah. That brings it all full circle. Well, sort of. (laughs) (laughs) When Mary initially came to the throne of England, she had promised not to force any of her English subjects to follow her religion. But less than three months later, she had all the leading Protestant churchmen of England imprisoned. During her first parliament, she had her parents' marriage declared valid and abolished all her brother's religious laws. She also returned church doctrine to what it had been a couple of decades earlier. Everything everyone feared. (laughs) Yes, she, she did. She also had the bishops Gardner and Bonner released from prison and reinstated to their former positions. These will be two of her main advisors, um, Gardner especially, and a lot of the stuff she's about to do is came through him. Great. (laughs) One of the things reestablished was clerical celibacy, 
any priests currently married had their benefices revoked. Um, so benefices would include property and any money afforded by the monarchy for services rendered by the church. Once Philip entered the picture, he convinced Parliament to repeal Henry VIII's religious laws and return the English church under Roman Catholic jurisdiction. As part of the deal made between Mary and Pope Julius III in Rome, all confiscated monastery lands would remain in the hands of the new landowners that took them over, but the Heresy Acts were reestablished in England. The Heresy Acts gave Mary the legal precedence needed to fully pursue her intended suppression of Protestantism, as she considered Protestantism to be heretical, and she had every intention of rooting it out with every legal form of suppression she could muster up. Wow. Mm -hmm. So basically... This was a bad time to be a Protestant in England. When is it a good well, <laughs> except for under Elizabeth's reign, but when is it a good time? Honestly. <laughs> Almost immediately following the revival of the Heresy Acts, several hundred wealthy Protestants fled into exile. Among these exiles were our old friend, Little Dick John. Little Dick John Knox! <laughs> the D John Knox, yep. <laughs> This is when he flees and goes to Geneva and learns about like Calvinism and stuff and then takes it back and fucks shit up in Scotland. Yep. Okay, cool. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Many of the exiles were said to be extremists and some were implicated in Northumberland's plot to usurp the throne for Jane Grey. So some of this is politically motivated. Okay. A few leading Protestants chose to remain in England, refusing to be pushed out or silenced. They quickly found themselves the targets of the reestablished heresy laws. So a year and a half into Mary's reign, the first set of executions took place for Protestant heretics. Heretics. So Thomas Cranmer, the Archbishop of Canterbury, had been among those who remained behind in England and found themselves arrested. So a little bit on Cranmer. Thomas Cranmer had been one of the leaders of the English Reformation and one of Henry VIII's chief advisors. He had been largely responsible for building the case for the annulment of Catherine of Aragon and Henry VIII. Uh, so you already have a mark against mm-hmm. you, dude. And he supported Henry in his efforts to break from the Roman Catholic Church. Second mark. <laughs> when Edward VI came to power, Cranmer had been responsible for writing the first two editions of the Book of Common Prayer, which would replace Catholicism as yeah. the official rites he could do in church. He also provided refuge in England for several European reformers that fled religious persecution in continental Europe, and he was directly responsible for changing the doctrine surrounding the Holy Eucharist, clerical celibacy, and revoking the veneration of saints and iconography in churches. In short, Cranmer would have been among the leading spiritual heretics in England, and Mary needed him gone. But it's also personal for her because yeah. he was responsible for the annulment of her She's parents. Like, you are the reason. <laughs> My father is the reason, but you are the only one alive who is the reason. <laughs> While imprisoned, Cranmer was forced to watch two bishops get burned at the stake. Oh to save his life, he was forced to denounce his Protestantism and convert back to Catholicism, which he did under torture. Oh, okay. That's not real then. <laughs> and under normal circumstances, this would have been enough to absolve him of his crimes and return him to society. Yeah, but Mary has a heart on for mm-hmm. him. <laughs> but Mary had other plans. On the day of his execution, Thomas Cranmer recanted his re- recantation of Protestantism. He's like, I recant, I recant. <laughs> <laughs> 
Cranmer even denounced the hand he had used to write his previous recant of Protestantism, promising that when he was burned at the stake, he would stick that hand in the fire first. Oh. And this is exactly what he did before the rest of his body burned. Wow. Okay. (laughs) In the end, a total of 283 heretics were executed during a five-day period in February of 1555, most by burning. Can you imagine that smell? Yeah. Charred flesh. Oh, that's great. The executions proved to be so unpopular that even members of Philip's own ecclesiastical staff condemned them and warned Mary that it would re- that it would cause a revolt. She's like, maybe calm the hell down. <laughs> maybe. Just for a second. Like, you got your pound of flesh and then some. Calm down. <laughs> calm the fuck down. Stop burning Relax. people. Enjoy Mary. Enjoy the throne. Mary. Enjoy your throne. Stop burning people. <laughs> but this Mary... is why we would be great advisors in this time. <laughs> Mary refused to relent even a little and continued the policy of burning heretics until her death. Wow. This is the reason why she earned the moniker of Bloody Mary by her Protestant opponents. That she, yeah, definitely earned that one. Yes, she did. As Queen of England, Mary continued the policy of total conquest in Ireland that had been started by her father. Two towns were created in Ireland and named for Mary and Philip, called... Mary Borough and Phillips Town. Stop. So there there are Irish names now and I forgot to practice them. Do you know them? I can try them. Portlaysia? Portlaysia might because be Mary's Borough. That A-O-I-S-E is like Sersha. Yeah. Okay. So Portlaysia? Portlaysia? I don't know. <laughs> and then... No, I don't got that one. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like Dane Gien, but That's it's, it's Gaelic. completely so wrong. It's you just that. sounded it out phonetically. That is so wrong. What you need to do is you need like, to go to a pub nah, and drink a shit ton of beer. And then whatever sounds right, that's probably it. <laughs> oh, my, you remember when my Aunt Madison sent me that video too? And I, I watched it and I forgot. I watched it and I was like, that didn't help. Like... <laughs> Like, I understand that there's, like, three sounds, but, like, that didn't help. (laughs) Hi, Madison. Thanks for trying. (laughs) Um, She's one of our, like, biggest supporters and fans, too, so we appreciate you. We do. In January 1556, the arrogant but venerable Charles V decided to relinquish the title of Holy Roman Emperor and step down. Philip was officially declared king of Spain, and he left England for a time to sort his affairs out on the continental mainland. So basically, they got to enjoy a marriage in two completely separate countries for a while. Wow. Doesn't that sound amazing? That sounds perfect. She hated it, but oh, I would have loved it. No, that sounds great to me. I'm <laughs> here for it. <laughs> During this time, he also negotiated a temporary but unsteady truce with France, helping to end what had been a decades-long fight for dominance in Europe between Spain and France. See Catherine de' Medici parts one and two for more details. The truce was short-lived, though, and six months later, Spain had already renewed its war efforts against France. Philip returned to England to request military support from England. Mary was in favor of war with France, but her counselors were against it, claiming it would hurt them economically as they relied heavily on French trade. She is super bloodthirsty, and ladies and gentlemen, that is trauma. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's also a history of England being like, we hate France. It's their, like, age-old enemy. Yeah. And she's married to Spain, so it's like, if you're aligned with Spain, then it makes sense to be against France. 
Or you could all just get along. I don't That's know. just dumb. Jesus. Nobody does that. <laughs> Not at this time period. <laughs> in the end, it was a failed plot to usurp the throne from Mary once more, this time initiated by another member of the Dudley family and with the aid of French troops that gave Mary the precedence needed to engage in war with France alongside Spain. Unfortunately for Mary, the result of the war effort was the loss of the city of Calais in France. Remember that? Yeah, the one that keeps going back and forth. (laughs) This had been England's last remaining territory in France. The fall of Calais had been a huge blow to English morale as it was the last remnant of territory that had been brought over to England with Eleanor of Aquitaine and retained through English maneuvering through the Hundred Years' War with France. For more info on that scene... Uh, See the episodes Isabella of France and Joan of Arc for more details. This loss of Calais allegedly devastated Mary. uh, According to the Hanashed's Chronicles, which were written during Elizabeth's reign, Mary had said, when I am dead and open, you shall find Calais lying in my heart. (laughs) That was according that was according to one of Elizabeth's historians. And Why as we, we all know, so aggressive. dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, guys, history is written by the victors. And even though my best friend Whitney argued with me oh. that Mary, Queen of Scots, won in the end because James was on the throne, I am going to disagree and say <laughs> Elizabeth won because all of history from this time period comes from Elizabeth's historians. Hi, Whitney. <laughs> Hi, Whitney. <laughs> Oh, it's so fun to debate with her, though. Now, Calais would not be the only black mark against her reign, along with all the burnings. Yeah. (laughs) As a woman in the Renaissance era and a queen of a country, Mary had but one primary duty. To birth an heir. Yes, to birth an heir. I tried to do this normal as possible. I just wasn't. So Mary had experienced firsthand the chaos and instability that ensued when a direct heir was not in place. And she knew that her current heir, which was Elizabeth, mm-hmm. would likely undo all the religious reforms she had just put in place. Just like she had done with her brother. Pot, <laughs> kettle. Exactly. <laughs> There's just one problem. Mary was starting to get older. There's just one problem? Just a single problem? That's <laughs> <laughs> one of many. Uh. Almost immediately after her marriage to Philip, Mary started to show signs that she might be pregnant. She was gaining weight quickly, she was sick in the mornings, and her period stopped coming. The court was overjoyed at the prospect that she might be pregnant, and doctors even confirmed the prognosis. And everyone was excited. A baby was coming. Yeah, because I'm not excited because you told me to keep in mind the fact that she had those issues when she was younger. Mm-hmm. So here we are. Um, but, um, but what are you about to tell me, Rachel? The cat. L- listen, this is going to be an heir for both England and Spain. No, it's okay? not. No, it's not. <laughs> the queen is in excellent health and three months with child. She is fatter and has a better color than when she was married, a sign that she is happier. And indeed, she is said to be very happy. This is one of Charles V's ambassadors writing to him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In the final months, Mary would have been expected to give birth. Elizabeth was released from house arrest and invited back to court to witness the birth of the child. Oh, no. And then the child's not born. They're like, just kidding. Go back. What do you mean the child's not born? What are you talking about? I know how this <laughs> Some people have alleged that Philip intended to marry Elizabeth himself if Mary died in childbirth. And that's why she was brought back that to court. That sounds like a dick man move <laughs> to make. Yeah. 
By May of 1555, rumors had spread around court and London that Mary had given birth to a son. People all around London were incredibly excited, allegedly throwing parties and bonfires in the streets. Oh, this is going to get weird quickly. But, alas, no baby ever came. Ten months after the initial signs of pregnancy started, Mary's enlarged abdomen allegedly receded back to its normal state. What? When Mary realized she wasn't pregnant, she was devastated and humiliated. I have so many questions. What are your questions? I can probably answer them. There's a difference between a woman getting fat and a woman getting pregnant. Like, clear differences. There are medical conditions that we oh. will discuss okay. very soon. <laughs> um, at the time, because medical advances hadn't been made to the degree that they are today, it was very easy to confuse a false pregnancy with a pregnancy because a lot of the symptoms were the same. Oh. And false pregnancies also have a psychological component to them. Yeah. Mary very much wanted a child, so it's believed she willed herself to have these symptoms. Wow. And fully believed she was pregnant. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Interesting how that works for gaining weight, but that doesn't work for losing it. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? I can't wheel pounds off my body. <laughs> and I look like my body. <laughs> it's mine. It's Rachel's. <laughs> Philip left England shortly thereafter, returning to the war in France for a time. Mary was said to grow increasingly despondent and depressed in the months that followed. She also claimed that the false pregnancy was God's way of punishing her for tolerating heretics oh, in for England. for fuck's sake. <sighs> Sorry. That's <laughs> what happens when, like, your entire personality is based on your religion. Yeah, you become a problematic human. Elizabeth remained at court with her sister, having been returned to favor. Philip grew increasingly concerned over the absence of children between him and Mary, mostly because of another claimant to the English throne running around. That you just let out the prison. No. Oh. Who's this other one? Think back to our last episode. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so at this specific time, I forgot she was born. over in France... <laughs> A young queen, also by the name of Mary, this is Mary, Queen of Scots, was betrothed to the Dauphin of France. Her proximity to the English throne and alliance with France posed a considerable threat to Spain. To preserve his own interests in England and guarantee a Habsburg influence in the country, Philip proposed a marriage union between his cousin, Emmanuel Philibert, the Duke of Savoy, to Elizabeth. Mary actually consented to this match, but Elizabeth famously refused. Did she drag her feet? <laughs> she refused, like she put her Jean the Queen feet dragging slippers on. Yes, she did. This you is, see these? This is actually this is actually the first time she brought the um the dragging feet slippers. This is when she slippers. starts making her yeah. slippers. If you see this, I'm dragging my. <laughs> She's gonna need those slippers later in life. For sure. <laughs> By late 1557, Mary was overjoyed again because she believed herself to be pregnant. Oh, no. The court was skeptical, though, because Philip had been away for a couple of months. So oh, there, was, no. there was no way she could have conceived I mean, a, a child. I, but this is Mary, and she's a devout <laughs> Catholic Yeah, but girl. I feel... Okay. <laughs> but I Mary carried like on. going to spread. Go ahead. No, this is going to be worse. Oh, shit. 
Mary carried on truly believing she was pregnant and even had a new will drawn up where she named Philip as the regent of their child should she die in childbirth. Wow. As had been the case with the first phantom pregnancy, no child ever came. So it's now believed that Mary may have been suffering from ovarian cancer. Oh, yeah. Ovarian cancer and pregnancies have similar symptoms, including bloating, abdominal pain, abdominal swelling, and irregular menstrual cycles. Another theory proposed is that she had dropsy and ovarian cysts that grew to a large enough size to make the abdomen expand and give the appearance of a pregnancy. Isn't that sad? Terrible. It's likely she's ha- she had this her whole life. Wow. Yeah. Her health continued to deteriorate over the next couple of months as her symptoms grew more severe. By September 1558, she was suffering from a fever, headaches, and periods of confusion that were exasperated by her depression. Aww. By October of 1558, it was clear she was going to die soon. Whoa. The Privy Council wrote to Philip to inform him that his wife was dying, and Philip sent his own personal physician to look after her. But he didn't come to see her. Oh, of course not. By November, Mary finally faced her pending mortality and agreed to officially name Elizabeth as her successor. I would say that's the one good thing she did Mm -hmm. because she could have tried to circumvent it the same way Edward had on his deathbed, but she didn't. So one point for Mary (laughs) after like 100 points against her. (laughs) You're still in the red. I'm sorry. On November 17th, 1558, Mary died. She was 42 years old. Damn. So Mary's life had been one of turmoil and uncertainty. She was the daughter of two very powerful dynasties that should have ensured a legacy of greatness. But a fickle father and an evolving religious world changed all that for Mary. From the day Henry VIII decided to divorce Catherine of Aragon, Mary fought an uphill battle to reclaim her birthright. She fought stubbornly to honor the authenticity of her faith, often in the face of ridicule and persecution. But like so many others of this time, her experiences served to harden her, and she became the very villain that would have seen her killed when her own religion was suppressed. Mary Tudor was the first queen regnant of England. Her reign lasted for only five years, but in that short tenure, over 300 religious dissenters were burned at the stake. History remembers her as Bloody Mary, but her prosecution of heresy was not unique to her. Mary's father, Henry VIII, had burned over 80 people in his reign and completely dissolved the monasteries in England. Spain was already engaged in a brutal and vicious inquisition that targeted Protestants, and France had been using burnings to prosecute heretics for decades as well. And yeah, I love how they call her Bloody Mary. It's like, y'all are doing the same fucking shit. Well, just to put this in context, in about 10 years is when the St. Bartholomew's Day Massacre happens. Yeah. And that's over thousands yeah. of people yeah. were murdered for their religious beliefs yeah. and literally pulled out into the streets of Paris and, like, stabbed. Yeah. Yes. Mary's tactics were not unique to the period, and we all know that history loves a good female villain. Mm-hmm. But her prosecutions occurred in a very short time frame. And who is to say how many more Protestants would have been burned if Bloody Mary had survived to live a longer reign? Perhaps it's a good thing we never found out. Sorry. (laughs) And that is the story of Mary Tudor, a.k.a. Mary I, Queen of England. 
that's me clapping. <laughs> um, so sources for today's episode. This episode was almost brought to you entirely by Wikipedia. Please <laughs> donate to them. Um, and a couple of other articles I read were What Inspired Queen Bloody Mary's Gruesome Nickname by Una McLevina at History.com. And then Marian Government Policies, Queen Mary the First, Mary Tudor on EnglishHistory.net. Hell yeah. And yeah. And yeah. That was Also, Mary. I would just like this this family portrait that we got going on here. Where did it go? Oh, I didn't even see those pictures below. First of all, who the fuck is that? <laughs> That's the court gesture. Who the fuck is that? That's the court gesture. <laughs> so this is um, Mary is on the left. Ow. Oh. So Mary's on the left. Yeah. That's Edward, Edward. Henry, Boring Jane Seymour, Boring Jane, and Elizabeth. Plain Jane. <laughs> Actually, maybe that's Catherine. Yeah, that has to be Catherine. Yeah, that's Catherine Parr. Sorry. Oh, okay. Because, yeah. There's oh, yeah, no way. Jane died in- yeah. Yeah. Okay, fine. <laughs> but, yeah. Who is moving the table? That is uh, Bloody Mary. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> All right, so random question time. We're actually playing a little game yeah, that we Kat decided, found. We decided to change it up. <laughs> so it's one of those like random. It's on novel.com, the novel.com, N-O-V-L. Um, it says answer random questions and we'll tell you which fantasy world you should escape to. So we're in, Rachel's going to answer questions first. Okay. Ready? I'm born ready. Okay, calm down. <laughs> okay, so pick a plant. You have Monstera, Ivy, Peace, Lily, Fig Tree, or Venus Flytrap. Oh, pick a plant. I yeah. thought you said planet. No plant. Um, I'm going to go with ivy. Ivy? Okay. <laughs> pick a dog to take trick-or-treating with you. There's a dog dressed as a little sailor, Superman, a pilot with a cape, little devil ones, or a ghost. Hmm. Oh, I really like the ghost dog. I know the ghost dog? Yeah. Okay. Choose a pair of headphones. We'll we'll post this for you guys to see. Ooh. Um. So the ones I'm picking are like blue and pink. This one. Yeah, they're very. Ooh, they're nice. Feminine. You probably wouldn't expect that of me, but they no. look cool. Have you ever been in love? Yes. No. Maybe so. If it happens, it happens. But also, I have degrees to finish and jobs to acquire. So really, what are my priorities here? Um, let's see. <laughs> this feels personal. <laughs> um. <laughs> I think we all know which one I'm going to pick. <laughs> if it happens, it happens. But also I have degrees to finish and jobs to acquire. So really, what are my priorities here? <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, pick a face that most accurately expresses your current state of being. Oh, oh no. no. <laughs> <laughs> there's one that's crying and screaming. <laughs> Funny enough, there's not one that's crying the and screaming. The fuck? I'm going to, I guess, the one buried in coffee. Coffee. That's <laughs> the closest one. <laughs> What kind of monster are you most afraid of? Vampires, ghosts, zombies, aliens, or the patriarchy? The patriarchy, <laughs> duh. That's perfect. Which like treehouse would you live in? Oh. Yeah, this isn't like elves. Um, this is a very long quiz. <laughs> it is. Um, oh my god, the swing that's like into space. Like the space of the forest. It's cool. Um, I'm going with that one. I'm going to swing into this forest Calculating space. Calculating results. 
The Bone Houses by Emily Lloyd Jones. Oh, so it's like a, it tells you stories that you can escape into. Oh. You need a lush, slightly spooky, atmospheric setting with just a little bit of magic. So pack your bags for Colburn. Okay. Interesting. I'm gonna Appropriate. I like picture. it. Picture. And then it just tells you what the book is about. Let me see. Rin? Rhine? Rin. Rin only cares about two things, her family and her family's graveyard. Accurate. <laughs> Since the death of their parents, Rin and her sibling siblings have been scraping together a meager existence as grave diggers in the remote Welsh village of Colbrin, which sits at the fush, fush? Oh God, <laughs> the foot of a harsh and deadly mountain range that was once home to fey creatures Ooh. known as the other folk. The problem with being a grave digger in Colbrin, though, is that the dead don't always stay dead. That is problematic. Sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> the risen corpses are known as bone houses. Interesting. Hmm. And legend says that they're the result of a decades-old curse. Rin has always been quick to deal with this inconvenience whenever they wander too close to her graveyard. But when Alice, an apprentice map maker, arrives in town, the bone houses attack with renewed purpose. What is it about Alice that draws them near? And more importantly, how do they stop them? Dun, dun, dun! I like the mind spooky. Yes! But with a little bit of magic. Yeah. Hold, please, while I figure out how to take the quiz again. Nope. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> My turn! We're just going to do this, really? Or do you want to do it like, okay. Yes. Okay, fine. Okay. <laughs> All right. Pick a plant. Monstera, ivy, peace lily, fig tree, or Venus flytrap. I think I'm going to go with Monstera. Oh, I was not expecting that. Yeah. I was gonna go with the Venus flytrap. I was, I was totally like, it's too, it's that. too, it's too on the nose. <laughs> Pick a dog to take trick or treating with. Oh my gosh, this is two for one under that one with a little devil dog. So I'm doing that. She got the two for one devil dogs. <laughs> Choose a pair of headphones. Ooh, the like the blue ones, bluish. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever been in love? Go ahead. If it Tell happens, us. it happens. But you got shit to do. Yeah, I got shit to do. <laughs> Pick a face that most accurately expresses your current state of being. Okay, so is she supposed to be angry because I feel that in my soul? I think, like, with the book? This, no, this one. I, I, I don't know. Well, I'm they don't pick show this one. faces. I'm going to pick like, this pick one just because she has a book in her hands and she's avoiding humans. Yeah. What kind of monster are you most Patriarchy. afraid of? The patriarch. The patriarch. The patriarchy. <laughs> the patriarchy was like, no. Which, Which treehouse? Tree <gasps> These are all so beautiful. I'm gonna go with this one. Ooh, the like dark and spooky one. Yes. All right, calculating results. Teeth in the Mist by Don Kurtagic. Kurtagic. Okay. Okay. (laughs) You want a setting that's eerie, horrifying, and deliciously creepy. Don Kurtagic. Sorry, I said that wrong. Is your girl. You want to read? Yep, I'll read the synopsis of the book. Before the birth of time, a monk uncovers the devil's tongue and dares to speak it. Oh no. That is amazing already. (laughs) The repercussions will be felt for generations. 16-year-old photography enthusiast Zoe has been fascinated by the haunted, burnt-out ruins of Medwin Mill House for as long as she can remember. So she and her best friend, Poulton, run away from home to explore them. That is so... Interesting because I love, I used to love taking pictures of like abandoned, abandoned stuff, ruined, yeah. like just 
not open. I love stuff like that too. <laughs> That's great. But are they really alone in the house? And who will know if something goes wrong? In 1851, 17-year-old Roan arrives at the mill house as a ward, one of three, all with something to hide from their new guardian. When Roan learns that she is connected to an ancient secret, she must escape the house before she is trapped forever. These women, centuries apart, are drawn together by one unholy pact, a pact made by a man who, more than a thousand years later, may still be watching. Ew. <laughs> How interesting. That's a very interesting premise. I like it. I feel like you have to be very careful in how you handle like time travel-y type stuff. Yeah, like switching between the timelines. And yeah, everything. it can be good or it can be like cheesy. Yeah, so that that sounds cool. Did you like it? We Did should. Feel yeah, we should totally read these books. We should. And then like see. We have so much stuff to read. I know, <laughs> but that would be fun if we read these books and like to see how how we each feel about our books that we yeah we got. <laughs> All right, I'll add that after. <laughs> I'll the add two, it to the list. The two books my therapist prescribed to me. <laughs> Obviously, this one's more important. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, there one I'm genuinely interested in. I actually just finally um, bought it. It's on attachment theory. Oh, okay. That's yeah. interesting. Mm-hmm. I like it. I, get, it, I get attached to cats as about, I am attached to the green yeah. or the green kitten. Jesus Christ. The, the orange kitten outside yeah, that I found the other that's night. Be kit, cat number six the next yeah. time I come. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe like, look. <laughs> All right. Well, you guys have been listening to Difficult Dancels. Yeah. Um, we're gonna put this. Why am I confused? I don't know. <laughs> We're gonna put this up, this quiz up, and our quiz results. Yeah, yeah. So you guys can see them. You can help spread the word of our podcast by rating, reviewing, and subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. Hell yeah! And if you have any questions for us or any suggestions for future women, future yeah. women, future women, <laughs> for women to cover in the We're future. We're now time travelers. <laughs> just like the book <laughs> um you can write to us at difficult.damsels at gmail.com we're also on the social media pages on facebook and instagram are you french now i have no idea I what that it. accent was <laughs> um but yeah just the, the difficult damsels we are not the difficult damsels the podcast uh, okay i'm confused <laughs> it's okay me too <laughs> and as always Stay difficult. Stay difficult. But, you want to know what's really great? Is but I maybe said, don't burn people. Don't definitely don't yeah. burn people. I almost said go Hawks because our our news network in high school, we were the Hawks and we said as oh. always go Hawks. So I was like, that was a weird jump <laughs> in like, time. Speaking of time. We're time, not Hawks. Like, we're not Hawks anymore. We Stay are difficult. Difficult. Yeah. <laughs> we're difficult. Hawks. Okay. This is a difficult ending. Keep things fine. Bye. Bye.